Welcome to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders, hosted by Cheryl Toth and Mike Sakopoulos, and produced by the American Association for Physician Leadership. Few would argue that our healthcare system efficiently produces happy patients and satisfied physicians. Waste, frustration, and missed opportunities seem to abound. In this episode of Sound Practice, we will move past complaints and onto the path of reform with physicians blazing the way. Philip Powell, Associate Dean of the Indiana University's Kelly School of Business, is my guest. His positive message is both welcome and needed. Prepare to envision a healthcare transformation led by physicians. My guest today is Associate Dean of Academic Programs at Indiana University's Kelly School of Business. Dr. Powell is Clinical Associate Professor of Business Economics and Public Policy. He earned his PhD from Vanderbilt University and is a nationally recognized expert in the area of strategy and innovation in healthcare. I should disclose that as a condition of this interview, Dean Powell requested that he not be questioned about the Hoosiers' absence from the NCAA tournament this year. Dr. Powell, welcome to Sound Practice. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Well, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Physicians are key to innovation and improving healthcare. Could you give us an overview of how you define innovation when it comes to physicians and their roles? You know, a lot of physicians don't realize how much power they have to change the system. On the surface, they feel, they feel like they have to function in a system that is completely dysfunctional, that they cannot change. And that is farthest from the truth. Um, now, you might say, well, well, Phil, how is it that they can't see the fact that they can change the system? Well, it has to do with mindset. And uh, it's this change in mindset that at the Kelly School of Business here at Indiana University, we work to, to help physicians see that they have, they have the ability to change the system from the inside out. And when, when physicians think about innovation, they need to think, about, think of it in that way. As physicians, they are the guardian of the patient and the expert, they went to medical school and the system revolves around their, should revolve, can revolve even better around their decisions. And it's about the environment they create around themselves in terms of driving improvements that increase quality, but lower cost. And it's, it's in, in the management literature is what we call disruptive innovation. Now I know the term disruption uh, can cause uh, medical practitioners to shudder because that that we, we don't want we want to minimize risk to the patient, but in actually in order to protect the patient, we have to change the business model that surrounds that delivery of healthcare, and that's really that's really what we talk about when we talk about innovation in healthcare here at the Kelly School of Business. You know a good bit about this because the Kelly School has a program for uh, physicians to earn an MBA, correct? Absolutely, and we're just, we're very proud to, just this week, uh, we've been, uh, the American AAPL has announced a partnership with us as a premier provider of, of, of education in addition to the, to the great CME courses offered by AAPL. But we've had a physician-only full curriculum MBA since 2013. This is a program for seasoned physicians that they've been out of residency, been out of residency for at least three years. 
it's a national program. Um, and it really, it's the whole curriculum is designed to position physicians to go in and fix the system as executive leaders in their healthcare system. And so our program attracts the, the sort of hardcore uh, evangelical physicians that, that wanna get back in there and reclaim the system for the patient, which means reclaiming the system for the decision-making and the management direction given by physicians. You mentioned disruption, and I think you alluded to that, that sometimes it could have a, a, a negative connotation, but, but certainly not in the sense that we're using it today. In fact, you use the, the concept positive disruption. Let's talk about your philosophy here and some examples of how physicians can, can take charge and um, implement some positive disruption. Well, I think what happens is that physicians are, they come through medical school, they come through their residency, and they're, they're trained in well-established methods of patient interaction, interacting with other team members in the healthcare environment, interacting with the bigger system and administrators. And you know what you learn as a physician is based upon long, well-established practice. And that emphasis on long, well-established practice is all about protecting the patient, living up to your Hippocratic Oath, do no harm. The problem is, is that that long established, those long established patterns of how physicians interact with the system and interact with patients has actually sidelined physicians from the business and administrative decisions. And so the folks that are leading the healthcare systems, the folks that are making the resource decisions didn't go to medical school. And that is a fundamental problem of the system. And so what we teach um, using uh, concepts of innovation from other industries. And this is, there's this concept of positive disruptive innovation from the Harvard Business School. Uh, the, the thought leader there is, is Professor Clay Christensen. And it basically talks about how when you have sort of a top heavy, costly industry um, that really fumbles the way that it delivers value for customers, that the way that you change the system is that you actually focus on innovation around healthcare delivery to, to those that are not at the top of the market, right? If you think of the if I think of our of our healthcare system, where do all healthcare systems want to focus? They want to focus on delivery of those high margin services, orthopedics, um, other types of standard care to the suburbs where you have the, the, the insured patient populations, right? And these are typically healthier patients because they, they don't face the economic challenges. They don't face the environmental challenges. The cases are more simple. And that's, that's where you can make sure that you're making the revenue to pay your bills. The concept of disruptive innovation basically says that the way that you change the system is that you start, and this is counterintuitive, but you see this in industry upon industry upon industry. You, you come in and you figure out how you can deliver value for customers that are not currently served by the system. So when we think about, for example, one of the biggest disruptive innovations in healthcare has been, um, you know, MediClinic from CVS. And um, now, it's a, it's, when it was launched, it was controversial because it didn't fall in the well-established pattern of how you deliver primary care. 
But the reason Minute Clinic's been successful is, is because the, the design, the, the, the healthcare practitioners involved in the design of that business model asked themselves, well, how do we deliver primary care to those who don't have the time or the access to go to the, to the primary care clinic in the traditional sense? These are folks that are, just can't schedule. They've, they've got three kids at home that, you know, just when they need, you know, they only go to, they only end up going to the doctor when they have to. And what Minute Clinic says is, well, let's let's try to make it, let's try to make primary care accessible and affordable for a certain amount of very simply treated illnesses. And and they said we're gonna we're gonna focus on folks that are not going to their primary care physician. And their model's been successful. Now again, it's been it was it was it was it was very uh, controversial at first because you know how is CVS especially staffed, not staffed, it's staffed more with nurse practitioners and physician assistants, not with, not with physicians. Isn't that gonna be um, risky for the patient? And you know, those, are, those are good questions to ask, but in the end, Minute Clinic has shown that they can effectively deliver primary care services at a lower cost, both in terms of monetary cost, but also in terms of time cost and transaction cost. And they've been able to deliver healthcare to those that probably wouldn't have otherwise gone to the physician um, for very minor ailments. Um, so that's, you know, and again, um, there's, there's, other, there's other examples. Actually, the, the big examples come from, from overseas, from the developing countries, where, where you have affordable delivery of care at the quality you find in the United States, but at a fraction of the cost. And it's because the physicians that lead that innovation are having to respond in a resource-starved environment where they have to be very innovative in how they deliver the service. How does the patient work her way through from step to step to step in the treatment in the treatment process? And physicians that come in and question that and say, you know what, the established patterns of how of of how of, of the operations, I'm going to question all that. And actually, by questioning that, I can deliver a better system that possibly gets the physician out in much much more quickly with fewer errors. And when they walk into that situation and they're questioning the sort of business model or the operations model that surrounds that physician-patient relationship, then all of a sudden it unlocks a whole host of possibilities. It gives physicians permissions to, to ask questions and to question parts of the system that they never thought they had the permission to do before. Um, you know, I, I can provide one other example out of our own program. Um, we had a, a very accomplished urologist in the VA system here at, at in Indianapolis um, on our medical campus. We have a, a VA hospital. And he took what he learned in the, MBA, in, in the business classroom in the physician MBA program and says, you know what? We can do better by our patients. We can make it easier to, to schedule a a uh, an appointment, we can get these patients through the process of intake and blood samples and, and lab tests and results faster. And by doing so, he, he basically took what he learned, he's, he put together a task force at the urology clinic in the VA here in Indianapolis. And he was able to change a process and quest, ask questions he wasn't answering, asking before, gave himself permission to ask, and saved 
is, is now saving the urology clinic $10 million, up to $10 million a year. And now the US Veterans Administration is using that model and wants to replicate it over the more than 200 VA hospitals in the United States. So that's a, that's a change in mindset that now could, could, could generate hundreds of millions of dollars of value for patients going through the VA system. Yeah, that's a- absolutely fabulous. And I, I think you used a, an interesting um, yeah, phrase that there's been, at least in some places, uh, a fumble on, on delivery of, of care um, and viewed from the, the patient's point of view, um, patient-centric point of view. What about a fumble on the, um, on the compensation for physicians? In the example that you gave, uh, will the physician be uh, compensated for the tens of millions of dollars saved to the, to the system or the physician that is um, best in class with 20 years of experience being compensated for a procedure at the same rate as a physician who's just out of uh, residency, who's uh, new to the procedure and maybe doesn't post overall statistically uh, the same quality of results. You know, you've pointed out the fundamental failure of our healthcare system. In a well-functioning industry, those that provide the more value get more compensation. And, and, and you, you've hit upon one of, one of the biggest uh, barriers that physicians face is that sometimes if they actually emphasize wellness instead of treatment, they're going to make less money. And that can be a barrier in the short run. So the, the process of disruptive innovation is not something, it can deliver immediate returns in, in like staff morale and patient outcomes, which, you know, uh, which I know are valued by physicians, but also physicians need to pay their bills and they want to, they want to be compensated, they want to be fairly compensated. Um, And I think the compensation gains come are more, you you realize those more in the long term, because our, 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 the system is, thank goodness, is, is drifting more and more to value-based healthcare. And uh, payers, especially med- especially government payers, are valuing more the ability to demonstrate delivery of higher quality at a lower cost. Now that requires that requires leadership in terms of how you interact with the payers, how you document these changes, and how you lobby and negotiate your payment rates. And so, our emphasis is not just that. As a physician, you need to be willing to question and po- quote positively disrupt the business model of care that surrounds you, the way that you deliver value for your patient. But also, you bear the burden as the one who went to medical school to take those changes and motivate changes in other parts of the organization. The great thing, the great, the great discipline that physicians have is that they're 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 trained in science and they're trained to prove outcomes. They're proved to document and measure. And that is a really effective skill set when you are sitting across the table from board members of the hospital or, or other executives that didn't go to medical school and documenting the value creation. And so, how is it that we're ultimately going to get the right compensation following those physicians that do deliver the value? It requires leadership. It requires a voice sitting at the table and talking the language of business. And then in in behind that comes the power of being a physician, 
I think one of the biggest, when you talk to our, our physicians that come through our program, their biggest hurdle is language. They've got the intellect, they've got the experience, they know that there's value being created and that they can lower costs and that they should be, that they should be able to negotiate for better compensation. It's just they haven't been empowered with the language of business so that the, exec, the folks in the executive suite of the healthcare system will take them seriously. And sometimes when you give folks just the right language, it opens up this whole ability to demonstrate value and give them more negotiating power. At the end of the day, to fix this compensation issue, it's gonna be about negotiation and physicians sticking up for themselves and saying, you know what? We're not gonna take this anymore in sort of a polite professional fashion. And if you don't listen to us, you're leaving money on the table for the organization and you're leaving patients out to dry. And look at the statistics. When you look, go into the peer reviewed literature in the medical journals, there's two, there's two facts that just keep me up at night. One out of every three dollars in the US healthcare system delivers no value for the patient. That's, you know, 33% of $4 trillion. That's 6% of GDP that are wasted because of, because of the dysfunctionality in the system. And if that doesn't grab you, the other statistic, this is recently from the British Medical Journal, we always have these new estimates of how many accidental deaths there are in the system. The British Medical Journal estimates 275,000 accidental deaths in the system each year. And a just powerful think- powerful number. A that's powerful a powerful number. number. Right? And if we can equip physicians with management knowledge, they're gonna have better ability to stand up for these patients and to stand up for the processes and to say, look, listen to us as you design this system. Listen to us as you negotiate with medical device companies and as you negotiate with the, the insurance uh, coverage. Right now, they don't, they're not at the table and they're dismissed by, by hospital leadership. And that's just not the way it should be. And that, to me, that's the fundamental that's the fundamental reason the system is broken. And it's, it's reinforced by the fact that that dysfunctionality means that physicians are being undercompensated when they deliver better value. That leads to more burnout and that leads to more physicians retiring early, which just, it, it creates this downward cycle. And so I think what's difficult, what's difficult for physicians to grasp, because if, if you're a physician, if you're a burnt out physician out there, listening to this episode, you might think that I'm just Pollyanna. You know, here we, I'm hearing from this associate dean at a business school, and he's, he has this Pollyanna view of the world that physicians can change the system. Well, no, it's not Pollyanna, it's real. It's talk to our graduates. Um, they're changing the system. I just gave you one example. We have hundreds of examples like that. And we have to give permission, per, physicians the permission to realize that and realize that they can ask new questions and they can stick up for themselves more. And that if, if they just have a little bit of management knowledge and a little bit of education on leadership and process change, that, that frustration of, of feeling like they're hitting the wall and trying to change the system can quickly become success. It doesn't take a revolution for that. It just takes a little bit of management knowledge to make that happen. The statistics that you you brought up um, were in two two metrics. I think perhaps most important of the metrics, dollars or financial, right? Um, a third 
being wasted of premiums or of, of dollars going into the system. And, and even more important, the other metric was lives. So when we talk about ROI or return on investment, how do you advise physician leaders to attack the metric side of innovation? Sure. I, I, again, metrics are important. We manage what we measure, right? That's one of the fundamental parts of management. It's one of the fundamental parts of, of practicing clinical medicine. It's science. You have to, if you're going to, if you're going to improve, if you're going to reduce morbidity and improve quality of life for a patient, you better be able to document it and manage it for the science journals, because then you can change uh, the clinical, the way that, that healthcare is delivered. Um, you know, but I think in terms of first steps, you don't want to focus on metrics. It's mindset. Um, and I don't mean to, to kind of twist your question, but um, if you just start with the metrics without understanding the process behind changing those metrics, then you're back to where you started. And you have, and you want to understand the business approach. So, so let's, let's tape a couple of things. So when we talk to physicians about changing the system, we, we talk about, we teach them the models of positive disruptive innovation. We go through cases that, that are examples of that. We talk about physicians who have changed their systems. And, and, you know, I mean, some of these examples are right in front of us that have been around. You think of the Cleveland Clinic, you think of the Mayo Clinic, you think of Intermountain Healthcare in Utah. These are healthcare systems that led the way. And why do they lead the way? They led the way because they adopted these ways of, of, of these mindsets, not based upon standard delivery taught in medical school, but they based the mindsets on some fundamental management principles like design thinking, like disruptive innovation, like Lean Six Sigma, which is, I'm glad, and a lot of physicians are probably familiar with. Um, and then what happens is, is then once you've got that mindset, that's the first thing you got to change. And then you focus on the metrics. And I think that, you know, there's this concept in healthcare that I'm very critical of. It's called the iron triangle, right? And I've heard it for decades that, you know, the three major metrics, the three major measures of a healthcare system are come down to three dimensions, cost, quality, and access. And there's a sort of this pessimistic view that says, you know what, innovation can give you improvement on one of the, on two of those three, but not all three. So if you increase quality, then you're probably going to have come at a higher cost. And it's not, it might even decrease access. If you increase access, you're probably going to reduce the cost and lower the quality, right? And it's these trade-offs that are part of the psyche of the current system. Well, when you look at adopting these mindsets, you have to lay to the, you have to leave on the side the this 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 sort of obstacle illusion of that triangle. First of all, you need to add a fourth metric, and that's staff morale. So it's it's not a triangle; it's a quadrangle. And then when you when you look at these examples of disruptive innovation in healthcare, and some of them are sitting right in front of us in the U.S. healthcare system. And the good news is, is all those healthcare systems I mentioned were led by physicians. They weren't led by some investment banker from, 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 New, from Manhattan who decided to jump in and run a healthcare system. They were run by people that went to medical school. And the mindset says, you know what? We can have our cake and eat it too and have a great cup of coffee on the side. We can simultaneously increase quality 
better patient outcomes. Also, we can reduce cost. And by the way, we can increase access and also increase staff morale. Now that might, again, that might sound Pollyanna, but when, that, when you shift that mindset, these outcomes occur, right? Wouldn't it be great if we can do all that and reduce physician burnout and not get so many physicians to retire early? And, and so I, I, encourage, I encourage any, any system change to focus on those four at the same time and to believe and to shoot for improvement in all four at the same time, because that's true value creation. That's the win, win, win. In our current system, it's zero sum. If somebody gains, somebody loses. Well, is that, is that because it's assumed to be fully efficient? But we know it's not, right? With a third of, of dollars being wasted, it seems like there's improvements that can be had without a cost to something else. That's, again, that's about $1.2 trillion of value to harvest sitting right in front of us. With, with you know, we, we talk about evidence-based medicine and good physicians pride themselves and have a great record in both delivering great care based on evidence-based medicine and conducting research that contributes to evidence-based medicine. We need to throw in there evidence-based management and healthcare as an industry has lagged terribly in that. One of them is because of the type of incentives that you talked about. But the other is, is that um, not willingly, but implicitly physicians have abdicated the management leadership role. You know, in the old days, physicians would just wave away and say, well, I don't, that's business. You know, that's accounting. That, that, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with me and my patient. Well, we're starting to see the physicians question that because that abdication has led to a reduction in their negotiating power and influence in the system. And physicians are reclaiming that, whether it's through, I mean, you know, in the MBA program, we certainly get the zealots that want to sit in the executive suite. But, you know, the AAPL has this great suite of, of continuing medical education courses that, that can, again, just a few of those courses will, will empower physicians to reclaim what they really had before the commercialization of, of medicine, which started in the 1920s. This is a very hopeful message, and I'm, uh, I, I think that we need uh, more, more of this, uh, uh, Dr. Powell. You mentioned the AAPL's uh, alliance with the Kelly School of Business. As we conclude our time together on, on sound practice, can you uh, describe that in a little bit greater detail and, and um, give us some things to look forward to? Sure. It's, again, it's, it's, uh, I, about a year ago, uh, I was able to, to talk to, to Dr. Ann Good. And we quickly realized the alignment of mission. Again, our physician MBA program was established to train physicians to fix the system. This wasn't just another MBA program we wanted to add. We wanted, the Kelly School wanted to help save lives. We didn't go to medical school, but we had enough faculty that said, you know, given our, expert, given our expertise and given our research and given what we can deliver the classroom, we have an opportunity to help reverse some of these terrible statistics that I just mentioned, right? So when our physicians walk in the classroom, we're giving them the same curriculum. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's the same knowledge that we give a full-time MBA, but we've just, we've modified it so that physicians can take those lessons they learn into the field immediately. And our program is, uh, 
Uh, it's a hybrid, um, you know, the Kelly School of Business, we've got the top ranked online MBA program in the nation. We've leveraged that. And then we have a what we call a two-day intellectual retreat on campus. Folks fly in from all over for Friday and Saturday each month for 21 months, and they get this MBA. But we really we realize that there are some physicians coming through uh, the courses offered by AAPL. And wouldn't it be great if they could have a, a, a streamlined admissions process and, and a discount on then kind of coming into the to the MBA program? Our MBA program. Uh, also prepares our graduates to, to, to win the Certified Physician Executive uh, credential, which AAPL has. And again, it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's, one of the, it's one of the partnership offerings that AAPL has had with some other, with some other great schools, with some other, other great degrees. But what we offer is sort of the full octane MBA. This is not an executive MBA. Uh, it's intense. Um, it's 21 months. We do design it for physicians who are busy and we have all practices, all different parts of the country come in, but our graduates leave just like graduates who get the CPE designation who don't even go to the Kelly School. But you have physicians that leave their training from the Kelly School and from AAPL and they are now positioned to lead the type of innovation that I'm talking about. And guess what? The types of results that physician executives are having that come out of both of our programs are absolutely jaw-dropping. I just gave you one example earlier. I'm sure Dr. Angood could share with you some examples of those who have taken uh, the CME courses at AAPL. This is nothing less than about revolution. We've got to change the system. And, um, and physicians have to lead that change. As a patient, I, I like I that story as, an, as a business school associate dean, but I, I love that story even more as a patient. And it's within our grasp. It's just that we got to have partnerships like these in the industry where we're, we're unapologetic and we, we project confidence in that message. And when physicians hear that, they, they start to adopt the mindset. And then the system starts to listen to them. And then they start to change the, the system from the inside out. Well, on that very positive note, I would like to thank Dr. Philip Powell the Associate Dean of Academic Programs at Indiana University's Kelly School of Business, and also the AAPL for the opportunity to uh, speak with Dr. Powell today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Philip Powell and the Kelly School of Business have a vision for physician-led healthcare. It is a positive vision. I hope you felt inspired and optimistic after hearing from Dr. Powell. Please join me next time on Sound Practice, the podcast of the American Association for Physician Leadership. You've been listening to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders. Check out the show notes for this episode at soundpracticepodcast.com. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear them. Email us at info at soundpracticepodcast.com. Subscribe to Sound Practice wherever you listen to podcasts so you can automatically receive our episodes. And please rate us and comment on the podcast in iTunes and Google Play. Sound Practice is presented and produced by the team at American Association for Physician Leadership. We are the world's premier organization for all aspects of physician leadership in every sector of healthcare. Learn more at physicianleaders.org. Batman and Robin. Rick Cabal.